What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Unsponsored Podcast. This is Drew speaking to you without Zach. Um, for those of you out there who have been listening since day one, I, I, I have had we've had Zach on this podcast every episode since the first one. I did the very first episode by myself, um, and then after that, Zach's been on every single one. So it's uh, actually, you know, I take that back. There was one that I did do by myself, like after the NFL draft, um, but it was like a really short one. Other than that, Zach's been on every episode. So it's weird that he's not here. We are, I think 20, this is our 27th episode and he's been on, he's been on, you know, 24, 25 of them or whatever. So in his stead, because, because he's busy, like he's, he's not, he's not taking this episode off because he didn't want to do it. Uh, he's got other things going on. Uh, he's a very important person. Uh, he's big on discord. So he might be doing some discord related thing. I don't know, but we're going to leave him be and let him do what he needs to do. It's his business. And uh, we, we have for the first time, someone back for the second consecutive week on our podcast, our good friend, big juice is in the house. He will be, he will be uh, taking Zach's spot this week. And we're going to talk more NBA draft. Uh, Big juice, man. How you doing? I'm doing splendid. Today is a great day for me personally, <laughs> and I just hope that you're having a beautiful day as well. And Zach, when you do listen to this, I'm not going to be able to live up to the expectations of Zach on the podcast, but I'm going to do my best. Love it. Love hearing this. Um, well, listeners who listened last week are familiar with Big Juice. As, as a matter of fact, if you just listen to this podcast, you're very familiar with Big Juice. Uh, but for those of you who, for some reason, didn't listen last week, uh, big juice, NBA draft guru, big Boston Celtics fan. He's from uh, Southwest Pennsylvania. He's right now flexing hard. He's flexing his, he's flexing his Celtics shirt. Um, yeah, he's, he, he knows a lot about, he's he knows a lot about the draft. Uh, he's, he knows a lot about the NBA. So it's always great to have him on talking about these things. Um, before we do get to the draft though, the first thing that I was going to talk to Zach about, uh, but again, Zach is not here was the whole Bogdan Bogdanovich situation. I think if anybody's been paying attention to the NBA, they know that that whole thing is kind of a mess right now. Um, but to recap the timeline for, for Kings fans out there specifically, um, Monday night over here on the West Coast, we got the news that, uh, well, the first big domino to fall was Drew Holiday gets traded to the Bucks from New Orleans for like 27 million draft picks. Uh, I, I people saw that as well if the bucks get drew they keep Giannis. so you do that you know 12 million times out of 10 if you can uh if that means keeping Giannis. so they gave up like i mean they gave up what was it three unprotected picks and two pick swaps <laughs> and george hill and eric bledsoe um so that was a lot but the bucks weren't done there they decided that uh that they also wanted bogdan bogdanovich who is a shooting guard small forward for the kings uh, he is uh, slated to enter. He's slated to enter restricted free agency, and so the most ideal move from the Kings' perspective was to do a sign-in trade and get something back for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Uh, presumptively, that was what was going to happen. Uh, they were going to send Bogdanovich and uh, Kings legend Justin James the other way to Milwaukee, and in return get three players: Ersan Ilyasova, DJ Wilson, and the centerpiece for the trade for the Kings would have been Dante DiVincenzo. Um, before we move on and talk about all the stuff that's happened since then, uh, if you look at those, if you look at that trade and those players going either way, uh, what were your thoughts on the deal, Big Juice? 
I thought it was a fair deal for both sides. Um, I talked to Richard Ivanowski before the trade even happened, and he said that it's very important that Sacramento doesn't just let talent walk out of the door because you need to recoup something. And I thought getting Dante DiVincenzo was like a great – that was a great pickup whenever you knew that Bogdan was going to leave anyways. And truthfully, I thought Bogey in Milwaukee was like a perfect fit as well because that gives them – Bogey would be what their fourth option behind he, Drew. He Milton. would be their fourth option. The, the, and the thing about Bogey is like in Sacramento, he was sometimes, he was just stretched too far. Like him mm-hmm. being the second option sometimes, not the kind of player that he is. Yeah. So yeah, he'd be the fourth option in Milwaukee. I just, I thought that would be like a beautiful, a beautiful fit for him. And I thought it would be great for his career. I just can't believe he was like, no, I don't want to go play. <laughs> yeah. So that, that takes us to what happens next uh yesterday so wednesday before the draft we start hearing whoa hey this deal is in peril and sam amick of the athletic reported that first and and if there's anybody that's plugged into the kings who works for the national media it's sam amick i mean he used to work locally he still lives locally has a lot of sources within the organization even with even with the change to a new front office he's still got people that that uh, that he can rely on for dependable information, uh, dependable information, and he came out and he said the deal's in jeopardy right now. And then a lot of people started echoing that around the league as well. Um, there have been some local media who have been saying since Monday night that they haven't heard that any deal was in place, that there's no deal that's imminent, and all this stuff just starts flying out. All these rumors, all this smokescreen, I guess you want to call it. Um. And, and, and then all of a sudden, like about an hour before the draft, Woj uh, tweets out, Bodon Bogdanovich plans to enter restricted free agency on Friday. And that right there could mean so many things. But in a vacuum, I think what it means is Bodon's doing what he should be doing and his team's doing what they should be doing. And that's trying to get him the most money uh, and to be able to explore all the options possible. Uh, to either get him the most money or to land him in the best situation possible. So as all that was happening, and as you were, I, I don't know if you were busy at the time or not, uh, maybe you were stressing out over what the Celtics were going to be doing during the draft. I'm not sure. But as you were hearing all this stuff and seeing uh, our group chat just completely implode, what, what, were, your, what were your thoughts uh, with what was happening with, with Bogey then? I Like I said, I was very confused when he just came out and was like, no, I don't want to go play in Milwaukee. I'd rather just enter a restricted region <laughs> because it's like, that's probably the best situation you could go to from a winning standpoint. Mm. I mean, financially he might, he'll see more somewhere else maybe, but like just from like the winning standpoint, that's, that's as best as it's going to get for you. And just watching you guys, I'll be like, what the heck? Like what, what happened? <laughs> I felt bad. I was like, why did, why did this all just happen out of nowhere? Cause it felt like it was a deal was in place. And then over the span of like 15 hours, it went from a deal was in place to, Nah, Bogey's just going to enter restricted free agency. <laughs> yeah, there was somebody, uh, we won't say who, but one of our good friends in the group chat was uh, threatening bodily harm onto Bogdan Bogdanovich, and uh, hopefully it never comes down to that. Uh, yeah, it is it is interesting to see him, at, at, based on his actions, essentially say, no, nah, I don't want to play in Milwaukee. I don't want to play with the uh, two-time, <laughs> two-time MVP and that revamped roster. Um Play in the Eastern Conference, basically guarantee a trip to uh, you know, with that core with those four guys: uh, uh, Giannis, Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Bogey. You're essentially guaranteeing yourself a spot in the uh, Eastern Conference Finals, right? Assuming everything goes right and everybody stays healthy. 
and he basically was saying, nah, I don't know. I might want some more money. Um, but the weird thing about this was, was a- so after the draft, Brian Windhorst went on to uh, Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt, and he said that Bogdan actually has been in contact with Giannis. Um, I don't know if he should have been putting that information out there because it kind of seems like that's tampering. But regardless, he said this on on Sports Center with SVP. He said Bogdan's been in contact with Giannis. Is 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 adamant that he wants to be in Milwaukee, wants to play with Giannis, wants to be there. And what this all boils down to is all of the stuff that we were hearing just before the draft was just smoke screen and workarounds in order to avoid tampering fines. Because even on Monday night, even on Monday night, once that deal was announced, so many people were just like, dude, is this tampering? Like, this doesn't seem right. The moratorium, you know, doesn't start till you know, like the legal tampering, because there's illegal tampering and legal tampering. For those of you out there who are confused by it, so are we. But in the NBA, there's a legal tampering period, and then there's an illegal tampering period. And the Monday announcement happened to fall during the period where it was illegal to tamper. And a lot of people were crying foul. A lot of people were saying, why are they doing this? This kind of seems like tampering. This kind of seems like a bad thing. And for those of you who don't know, free agency starts, uh, I think roughly, uh, it's, it's, it's three o'clock, West Coast time, six o'clock East Coast time tomorrow, so Friday. And that technically is when you can get deals done for trades, signings, all that stuff. Uh, that is the legal tampering period. And then 48 hours after that, you can actually sign the contracts. Sounds stupid, definitely is, but that's how it's working. And Bogdan, I think, essentially was putting that stuff out there, or at least this stuff was being put out there by the Kings, just so that they don't get slacked with a fine and same thing for the bucks maybe the bucks ran on this too maybe they were saying all right dude monty you got to put some out there so that we don't get in trouble for this um and windhorse basically went on uh went on air and and, and kind of confirmed that that probably is the case do you take any stock in this do you, do you believe that that might be the case yeah probably because even last night amir asked me he said where do you see bogey ending up and i was like i still think he's gonna end up in milwaukee i i I just feel like that's the best possible scenario for him to get into. And I don't see why they would back out of that deal. Cause I, like I said earlier, I think both sides won that deal. Like I think it made both teams better. Yeah. If you're looking at it, if you're looking at it from like a, like a, just an overall scope of who won, who lost the trade, it's a push. (laughs) Like nobody, nobody won or lost. And, And both teams got better and improved their current situations, whatever it was that they needed to improve. They improved, you know, for Milwaukee, they get, another secondary ball handler, another guy who can create another guy who shoots a three pointer very well. And they, they sorely, sorely need like we're lacking that during the playoffs. Um, and then for the Kings, they get some cap relief and they get a nice piece that the bucks were very high on, you know, Kings fans were, by the way, Kings fans were freaking out about Bogdan getting traded. You could like, if you looked at, if you looked at the, the stuff that that was being sent to our group chat, like all the tweets from Twitter and stuff like that, like you would have thought that you would have thought that Kings fans thought that, that, that they had just traded like prime Chris Weber for, I don't know, uh, a Quiznos stamp card. Like, it, it, like people were like up in arms about it. like 85% of the tweets that I, that I saw coming in were all negative tweets. And, and, and I, and, and I just, I could not wrap my head around it. it. It was so confusing that these people were just like, no, we need to keep Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's the third best player on our team on a team that hasn't done anything and hasn't won anything. And that's in the Western conference. Like, so you're telling me that you would 
essentially overpay somebody to just keep being on a bad team. You know, like I, I, and and I I get it. Like fans are going to be fans. They're going to look at it the way they're going to look at it, but big picture thinking, like it's hard to just, if you're the Kings, it's hard to justify tying up 15 to $18 million annually in cap space for a guy who's probably going to be your third or fourth best player. And your team's not going to be very good. And so, and, and, and this is, by the way, we're going to be doing this a lot, but blame Vladi. This episode, we're going to be doing this a lot. We're just going to keep on retroactively blaming Vladi. Um, Blame Vladi for this. Vladi could have leveraged a lot more out of a team at the trade deadline this past season for Bogdan Bogdanovich. But since he's got an obsession because he's also Serbian, Bogey and and Vladi are both Serbians, uh, he was never going to give him up. And, And that left Monty McNair kind of in a tough situation. And not only was Bogey one of those things that was going to be a difficult thing to maneuver for, for Monty McNair coming in as general manager, but like, dude, the Kings have like no cap space and, and they're a bad team. So when you're a bad team and you have no cap space, I mean, you're going to have to do some things that aren't going to be very popular. And so I think with a lot of fans, Monty McNair got off on the wrong foot on Monday night. Like that was the first mm-hmm. big move he'd made. Uh, I think it was first move of any kind that he made really. And, and fans were like, going to go burn down golden one center because they, they wanted to keep bogey. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think the Kings get better from that trade simply from a cap space and cap flexibility mm-hmm. standpoint, but also DiVincenzo. I, I guarantee you no King, like 98% of Kings fans have not seen Dante DiVincenzo play. I know that for a fact. There's I know that for an absolute fact. If they, if they saw him play, they wouldn't have been that upset about the <laughs> No, exactly. Exactly. Like if they knew anything about Dante DiVincenzo, they would not have been that upset. Like I can get that. Maybe, you know, you may, yeah, it's tough giving up a player like Bodan Bogdanovich. It's hard to find guys as good as him. Honestly, like he's, he's an above replacement level player in the NBA, but if you know what Dante, Dante DiVincenzo is about, if you know what he could potentially bring to the Kings, if you, know what his game is like and understand how he fits next to a guy like De'Aaron Fox, then you wouldn't be that upset. Um, but fans were upset. And so that confirms to me the fact that Kings fans, once again, uh, like I said on the last episode of this podcast, uh, they've been given way too much credit for way too long for being smart fans. They're actually really fucking stupid and they should probably do a little bit of homework before they, you know, have an instant impulsive reaction to a trade that honestly really, really helps this team out. But uh, as of right now though, that trades off the table. We'll find out within the next 24 hours or so, maybe uh, how things are going to shake out. But as of right now, Bodan Modanovic is entering restricted free agency. Um, just, just like an hour or two ago, the Bucks actually cut Ersan Ilyasova, um, who was part of that deal that was coming uh, to, to sack. And um, I, I honestly don't know what that means. I really don't know what that means. I, I, I'm not quite sure that, I mean, like, well, I am 100% sure that if that trade does uh, go through, if Bogey still goes to Milwaukee and the Kings are still able to get something for him from Milwaukee, obviously the package is going to look different because one of those guys is not on the Bucks anymore. But uh, if they could still swing DiVincenzo uh, and even DJ Wilson, by the way, DJ Wilson, hometown kid, went to Capital Christian. Uh, there's your human interest story if you're interested in that, if you're a Kings fan. Um That'd be fine. You know, maybe they'd have to find another guy to make the money work or something like that. But, uh, but if DiVincenzo comes to Sacramento in any form, in any capacity, I think many of us should be thrilled. Um, yeah, I, we're going to have to find out what's going to happen within the next 24 or so hours, but uh, that whole situation has just been, it's been interesting. I don't think I've ever really seen anything like this. Um, 
I, I think the last time anything like this sort of happened was, uh, I mean, this, and I'm dating myself, but this was like 2004 or five or maybe a year after that where Carlos Boozer, I think, I think Carlos Boozer verbally agreed as a restricted free agent to come back to the Cavs. And then like last second, he was like, uh, no, I'm gonna go to Utah instead. Peace guys. Like <laughs> he, he, uh, he made the difficult decision of choosing Salt Lake city over Cleveland. Um, and and I mean, you know, good for him and ended up working out for him, but that caused a lot of drama and, and Cavs fans were not happy about that. Um, that's kind of the last thing that I can even remotely think about. Um, maybe, maybe the DeAndre Jordan thing, but, w- but when DeAndre Jordan was thinking about going to the Mavs that first time, was he restricted for agent or was he unrestricted? I think he was unrestricted. Oh, okay. Because but, if, yeah, yeah. Think if he was, unre- if he was restricted, I don't think Blake Griffin and Chris Paul would have broken into his house. Right. <laughs> yeah. It just matched the contract yeah that's that's what i was that's what i just realized it's like there's absolutely no way all of his teammates <laughs> would have would have would have barricaded themselves in his house and kept them hostage there and played go fish uh had he had he been a restricted free agent uh and and also you know paul pierce wouldn't have been tweeting out random pictures emojis, of emojis. <laughs> pictures of emojis. <laughs> dude that free agency period was wild oh man um yeah, uh, we'll see what happens with Bogdan. Hopefully, uh, things work out. Um, uh, I, I, I imagine next week we will be taking uh, the week off from doing a pod because it's Thanksgiving and we, and we drop on Thursdays. But uh, but uh, maybe in a couple of weeks we can come come in and we can talk about the Kings getting something for Bogdan Bogdanovich because you'd hate to let a player walk away uh, for nothing, especially a player of his caliber. All right, let's get to the draft. Uh <laughs> At the top, we'll, we'll talk about kind of like we'll talk about the top five picks um, because really it was that fourth pick that really like just mucked things up completely. Um, one, two, and three went as expected. So if you listened to our last episode, you knew who were the you knew who the consensus three uh, top guys were. Uh, you and I agreed on it, uh, and and that's how that's how that that's how the draft went. Uh, it was Anthony Edwards one to Minnesota, uh, James Wiseman two to Golden State, and Lamelo Ball third to Charlotte. Um, what were your thoughts on those guys going where they were going? Even though, even though you were probably expecting them to go there to begin with, right? Like, yeah, I, I was a little bummed out that Golden State didn't just take LaMelo because I, in this <laughs> fantasy world I live in is I just want to see LaMelo ball and Stephen Curry in a backcourt together just for like stretches. Cause I just feel like it'd be so much fun to watch, but I don't know. I'm happy that LaMelo ended up in Charlotte because I feel like him with his own team and his own market, Mm-hmm. it'll do good like i feel like he'll be a good player um wiseman and golden state obviously they could use the center i mean they're gonna take a writ they're gonna they're gonna have to develop him some but we'll see i've talked to people who said that with his athleticism like his athletic gifts and everything just his build the way he's able to move so well it makes sense to just take him and try to develop him and edwards i think edwards at one i think that was a consensus amongst people mm-hmm. even though that quote that he came out with was very questionable <laughs> I just feel like he was the consensus number one, like throughout the whole thing. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know about the quote, uh, it was a couple of days before the draft. A quote came out where Anthony Edwards said that, uh, yeah, football was his first love. And if somebody offered him a spot on an NFL roster, he'd drop basketball right away because he loves football more. Uh, and he, and he, and he followed up that statement with, yeah, I love basketball. It's what I do, but it was so nonchalant and not convincing at all. Uh, also he's already started to beef with Dame Lillard. Uh, he claims that he raps, he's going to start dropping. He's going to start dropping music once he gets more of a platform. And once he gets into the league, 
super excited about that because uh, he says his comp is little baby, but he, uh, he, he basically said that he doesn't understand what Dame Lillard is talking about in his rap songs. I don't understand how you couldn't because Dame Lillard is basically J Cole light. And if you listen to J Cole and you don't understand what J Cole is saying, then I have concerns about you, but he basically dismissed Dame and said, no, nah, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, I, I, I got real rap though. I, I rap like a real person. I'll rap like little baby. Um, so a lot of things going on with Anthony Edwards. Uh, hopefully he can get his rap career uh, underway and get some momentum there. Minneapolis, because Minneapolis is a big hip hop, uh, big hip hop scene in Minneapolis. I imagine. Um, yeah. Uh, James Wiseman to golden state makes a lot of sense too. You're if you're golden state, it's, it's worth that. You got to think about the guys that are on that team already. And, before before we before I go on to talk more about Wiseman, dude, uh, thoughts go out to Clay Thompson, torn Achilles, gonna be out for the entire season. It sucks. It sucks. Like, yeah, injuries suck when they happen to some of the best players in the league. They suck even more. Um, not having Clay Thompson in the league last year was a huge, huge L. I, I <laughs> we even like Clay Thompson is just like a very entertaining dude. Um, like, do you remember after the 2016 finals when the Warriors lost and he just like went over to China because that's like his shoe sponsor is there. And he just started like just partying really hard and just like, and just like going, like there's like a video of him just going crazy at like a club or something like that in like China. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is insane. And then like the whole thing with like, he's got a toaster and like people found like the toaster meme to be hilarious. And then like last year, like before a game, he was spotted in full gear. Like he was spotted in, in his full Jersey with a headband <laughs> working out. Like the guy's hilarious. Like we were still getting gems from Clay Thompson, even when he wasn't playing. And so I think everybody was excited to have him back. Say what you want about the Warriors and, and how they've, you know, I mean, they went to five of the last six finals, right? Say what you want about them and say say what you want about Warriors fatigue and all that stuff. But him, Steph, Draymond, I, they're fun to watch. It's a fun team to watch. Like, how would you not love watching good basketball? You know, regardless of your 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 interest in who wants to win, right? Or, or who you who would you want who you would want to win. Um they're a fun team to watch and it just sucks when guys get hurt. And it's just like, I'm just wondering how it even happened. I, it, it seems like it happened like a, at a private workout or something like that. And he tore his Achilles. Like that's just, it's, it's devastating. And the Warriors fans that I talked to yesterday were just like, dude, I can't even enjoy this pick. They can't even enjoy the fact yeah. that they got the second overall pick and one of the elite prospects of this draft. Um, but even without clay, I think it's still the right spot for James Wiseman to end up in. Um, that's a place where he's going to be able to develop. Uh, we, we we know by now that the Warriors have great player development. They've got a great coach. They've got a great, they've just got a great structure from top to bottom in place. Uh, so good for him. I, I think he's going to maximize his ability there playing alongside probably the greatest shooter ever. Um, and maybe the second greatest shooter ever, if he comes back healthy in a year. So good on James Wiseman, LaMelo Ball. Um, I want your thoughts on this. LeVar Ball, obviously his father couple years ago said that he's never lost one-on-one and that he could beat Michael Jordan one-on-one. Well, his son was just drafted by Michael Jordan's team. Michael Jordan, of course, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets. Big Juice, are we going to get LeVar Ball versus Michael Jordan one-on-one? Are they going to live stream this? Is this going to be on pay-per-view? Uh, is this happening? Like, I, <laughs> we, need, we, we need answers and we need them now. We, we need to find out if we're going to be able to see this. If they were to sell that game on ESPN Plus, like you had to pay ten dollars to watch it, it could end world hunger. It oh, could end. 
they would make enough money to be like, we could, we could feed everyone. But you know, it's crazy. If we don't at least get a picture of those two and work and like workout clothes, and yeah. a basketball, I want a picture. I don't need to know the final score. Cause I already know who won. It was LeVar. Right. right I, I just, right. I need to see at least proof that one, they met in person and two, they had a basketball near them. That's all I need. Yeah. I, 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 I'm 100% with you. I think if you, if whoever posts that picture of Michael Jordan and LeVar ball playing one-on-one in an empty, in an empty gym in an empty, in an empty gym that's supposed to see like 18,000 people. They're just playing one-on-one at like 12 midnight. Whoever posts that picture to Twitter is going to, you're going to have the most retweeted and the most liked picture of all time. Oh, for sure. That is, that is going to shatter the record. I, I think, I think the record still belongs to that, that stupid selfie that Ella DeGeneres took at the Oscars like five, six years ago or whatever. Something needs to, something needs to unseat that. We don't want that to be the most liked and retweeted picture ever anymore. Like we, we don't No, no more of that. We need a new, we need a new tweet to, to unseat that picture. And even if there's another picture that has already unseated that picture since we need that picture in particular with LeVar Ball and MJ to be the most liked and retweeted picture on Twitter of all time. You posted a social media in any, on any platform, it's going to be the most liked, the most engaging picture that you've ever, that you've ever seen on social media. That'd be insane. Uh, in regards to LaMelo though, the right pick, right? I mean, if you're the, if you're the Hornets, you need, you need, you need a star plain and simple. You, you lost Kemba Walker. Uh, congratulations, by the way, a belated congratulations to you, Caleb, for getting Kemba Walker last year in free agency. Um, but, but, but LaMelo is, he, he projects as a star. I, I think of the, of, of the, uh, of the top three guys, you look at him and you say, yeah, I mean, he's, he's probably your safest bet to be a star. Um, he certainly has a long way to go, but, uh, but, but he's got, he's got all, he's got all the tools. He's got all the intangibles uh, that that city needs star power. They're a small market team. You're not guaranteed stars. You got to take the guy that you got to take the guy that 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 is going to bring you that, um, or could potentially bring you that. And Lamelo was that guy, um, and so that that should be uh, that should be fun to watch. Um, and we'll be paying attention to him, I'm sure. But we are definitely going to be paying attention to him and his dad and his dad playing one on one against MJ. And we're going to need to get that game on. We're going to need to get the game on Twitch or something like that. Like if you if you if you have to pay a premium subscription price on twitch in order to watch that game oh dude i'm in how much is it going to cost i'd pay 50 dollars to watch it. i would pay I, I might even pay more than 50 dollars uh and of course i'm not paying for it uncle donnie's paying for it so big shout out to the government for the stimulus checks um fourth overall in the draft patrick williams goes to the chicago bulls and again this is when shit just completely went sideways we didn't know how to predict the draft after this this seems to happen every so often the last time i could think of this happening was in 2013 although 2013 is just an egregious example the 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 Cavs took anthony bennett first and then everything everything went to complete shit after that um but patrick williams went fourth uh for those of you who listened to the last episode of this podcast big juice didn't very he didn't really know very much about patrick williams he openly admitted it that's fine a lot of draft a lot of draft prospects to cover um i did know a little bit about patrick williams though i i do get that this pick was a mini shock but i don't necessarily think it's a reach like 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 a like a mega reach in this draft uh because given how people were feeling about the prospects in this draft and the guys that were going around that area look i get the appeal you want the guy who's going to give you the most upside and could become a star i think patrick williams of all those guys that were slated to go in that realm like in that in that 
you know, range from like four to seven. I mean, he's up there. I think Danny Avdia obviously is, 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 is a good prospect and, and probably has a chance to be a star himself. Um, you know, you could have justified him going there. Um, Killian Hayes as well. I mean, you could have justified him going there as well. Um, but Patrick Williams went fourth and I, I get the appeal. I, I think, I think he certainly has a chance to become a really, really good player. It's just, he's got a long, long way to go. Hopefully Billy Donovan uh, and everybody over there in Chicago can make that happen. Um, fifth, Isaac Okora goes to the Cavs. I, is there anything, is there anything you want to say about this pick? I like it because Cleveland, technically, if you look at the map, it's the closest team to me. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I'd rather, I'd rather see Isaac Okoro than anyone else really left right now. Maybe Denny, mm-hmm. but it was between those two. So they got him. So like, you know, you could question fit and everything for me, but I'm like, I don't care. I like Isaac Okoro. I don't, like I said, I don't know about fit or anything. I think he mm. fits fine there. He fits her timeline, but I don't know. Cleveland's a little bit of a messy situation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, in a vacuum, I like Isaac Okoro as well. I mean, if he had, if he had happened to be one of the guys who fell to 12, I would have been, I mean, the Kings would have been thrilled to get a guy like him at 12. Um, but I don't, I, I just don't know. Uh, they got Colin Sexton, who, Kind of just shoots a lot. And then they got Darius Garland, who, uh, look, very highly talented prospect. We, we we still haven't really been able to see too much of him. He was hurt in college. Um, but those guys are like point guards. are like not really point. You know what I'm saying? Like they're not like they're maybe not the best at distributing the basketball. Um, and then you got Kevin Love, who we don't know how he's feeling about the current situation in Cleveland. I mean, like there were moments last season where he was openly frustrated with what was happening with that team. Um, and then now you add a core to the picture. Uh, I, I just look at that roster and I'm just like, dude, can any of these guys aside from Kevin Love hit anything outside of like 18 feet? And what's it going to be like when you play Sexton Garland and a together and teams just pack the paint and they're just like, Oh no, if you, uh, if you want to shoot the ball, go ahead, kid. You can have, you can yeah. have, you can have the wide open three if you want. Thoughts? Sexton would just put the ball on the floor and try to get back inside. <laughs> Garland shoots like 21% from deep. <laughs> it's not going to be a good fit on the court. Yeah, they're gonna play, yeah. They're gonna play Sexton, Garland, Okoro, Love, and Drummond out there at the same oh, time. Oh, God. I forgot about Andre Drummond. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting when like Isaac Okoro, who has question marks about his jumper, uh, what he was really good at in college was getting downhill. And... Mm-hmm. Obviously, he's going to have to lean on that in the NBA to start with. It's going to be really, really interesting when he catches the ball in the wing, uh, gives him a lift fake, gives gives his opponent a lift fake, gets by his man, and then it's not even the defenders that are going to be getting in his way. He's going to drive to the paint, and it's like, oh shit, I got Andre Drummond and Kevin Love on the block. I can't really, can't really maneuver in there. Uh, what do I do now? And then when he kicks it out, he's going to have a guy that shoots twenty one percent from three, and then he's got another guy who can't really shoot from three either. Uh, catching and maybe shooting off shooting off the catch so i i, I don't know it very very intriguing um from a defensive standpoint i think that team's got plus defensive potential if, if you can get guys like garland and and, and sexton mm-hmm. engaged uh and obviously drummond is not a bad rim protector still but yeah I don't, I don't know man i really don't know that's uh things things are uh things are getting real real interesting there for colby altman um uh, uh six through ten though i mean these were guys that 
like after after Williams went fourth, you were kind of just like, oh boy, wonder where wonder where all these guys are gonna go, and and I mean, it it ended up it ended up playing out a lot different than I think a lot of us uh, were expecting it to. Uh, Onyeka Kongu went to the Hawks. Killian Hayes went to the Pistons. Obi Toppin went to the Knicks. Denny Abdia went to the Wizards, and Jalen Smith went to the Suns. Um, the first four guys I named, whatever. But I want your thoughts on Jalen Smith going to the Suns. I know you really, really wanted him to be a Celtic. Him going to the Suns at ten, a lot of people were saying, "Ah, it's a little bit too high for him." What are your yeah, thoughts was, on that? Though? It, was, it was four spots too high. Should have went fourteen. When when he got drafted, I deactivated my Twitter. <laughs> I sent Drew an audio message of me borderline tears saying that I don't care about basketball anymore. Don't talk to me. Don't hit me up. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody (laughs) and people. And then I checked Twitter and people were posting screenshots of my, of my account being deactivated. And they're saying, (laughs) I'm like, why, why are they doing this to me? And I just, it was so much pain going through it. And then I was like, man, I don't even know how he really fits there with, with the roster, but like, I'm happy yeah. for him. Like I'm going to watch a lot of Suns games next year. Yeah. More than I've ever watched in my life, but gosh, man, I was so sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he, he certainly went earlier than I thought. I thought that if he didn't go at 14, he, he might've even slid a little bit further than that. Um, yeah. It's just a little bit shocking with the Suns, though. I would give the Suns. Uh, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because a lot of people kind of ragged on James Jones, their general manager, for taking Cam Robinson last year. I'm sorry, Cam Johnson last year. Mm-hmm. And he ended up being pretty good. I mean, dudes, again, uh, last podcast it said that he was 47 years old, roughly. He's somewhere around that range. He's but old. yeah, he's, he's, he's old though. It's like if you enter the NBA draft and you're within four or five years of my age, you're old, Okay. Uh, last year, just for reference, Cam Johnson last year when he was drafted, uh, was only, he was only, he was only two years younger than me. He was very old. Okay. So, um, he ended up being a good pick though. He ended up contributing very well. Again, the Suns had a great bubble. didn't lose a single game. Um, and, and, and I think obviously judging picks on draft night, it's always going to be a crapshoot. You never know how guys are going to pan out, but Jalen Smith. I mean, with that core, I mean, with Book and 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 with Aiton, I mean, he he, he, he sort of maybe like sort of kind of maybe makes sense in a in a way to me. I mean, you talked about this last episode how they ran him off screens at Maryland. You know, like he, he's he's able he's able to you know set his feet, square shoulders, knock down shots. He's he's he can he has game outside of fifteen to eighteen feet. Uh, he can certainly develop something out to the three point line. Um, it will be interesting to watch, but I think for guys like him who do need a little bit of development to, to end up in places where you do have bona fide stars. And Phoenix certainly has two of them in Aiden and, and Booker um, that, that could, that could certainly, that could certainly help. And then also they just, that, that roster is just chock full of guys who are just interchangeable three and D guys. Like they've got a very nicely built roster in Phoenix, which is something that hasn't been said about Phoenix in a long, long time. Uh, so he's joining a pretty, pretty good situation uh, as far as who he's going to be around. I just think the fit, they're going to have to try to figure that out. Um, and, and we'll see where we'll see how he pans out in a couple of years. Um, all right. Nothing else matters besides the Kings from this point. So let's just cover the Kings. Um, they picked 12th in the first round and they got Tyrese Halliburton point guard from Iowa state. 
Uh, I just want to refresh everybody's memory. <laughs> the last episode, uh, I, I made the comp that Tyrese Halliburton, worst case scenario, would end up like Eric Maynard. Formerly, formerly played uh, with the uh, with the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, and I think a couple of other teams. Uh, ended up having a, a pretty solid career in the NBA and overseas. Very, very steady player, makes the right play, um, high IQ guy, maybe not elite physical tools, but he could get it done if you need somebody to play point guard for you uh, while your starter is out, or he could play with your point with, with your starting point guard as well. That kind of seems to be the case with Tyrese Halliburton here. Um, a lot of things, a lot of things that people said about Eric Maynard as a basketball player. A lot of people were, you know, a lot of people were saying the same things about Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, but when I brought up Eric Maynard, uh, Big Juice fessed up and said that back in the day, he posted something on Facebook talking about how he thought Eric Maynard was kind of cute. So, of course, after that whole revelation, uh, the guy that gets compared to Eric Maynard ends up in Sacramento, uh, kind of in it, kind of inexplicably. Um, he shouldn't have been there. He really shouldn't have been there. Uh, a lot of people were expecting him to go in the top six. Atlanta was the one place where people were just like, that makes almost too much sense. And, and you mentioned that last time on this podcast, like you, you, you thought that he would fit really well next to Trey Young in Atlanta. Um, we didn't talk about the possibility to that, that the Kings yeah. would get Tyrese Halliburton because he wasn't supposed to be here. Um, he falls to 12. And I think once Devin Vassell was taken 11th, just in front of, just in front of the Kings, I think I think we all kind of knew. We were all just like, look, if the pick isn't Tyrese Halliburton here, <laughs> it'd be a massive, massive mistake. However, Vladi Divots is not the general manager of the Kings any longer. And so the Kings made the rational decision, let the draft come to them, and they were able to get Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Halliburton pick to the Kings? I called it the steal of the draft. I there's I gave it like a one percent chance of him slipping out that far. And he somehow did. And props to the Kings for making the right pick. They didn't let him, they didn't let him slip anymore. I think he's like the perfect, perfect fit, you know, alongside Fox, because he's a really good defensive player, right? You bring him off the bench. I just feel like he, in my opinion, I always thought if he were to go to Atlanta, it could have been like a Marcus Smart role. Not saying that he's going to be Marcus Smart caliber player, but just like a, like a fringe guy you can trust off the bench or he can come in and make starts for you. And he's going to be a great teammate and very well liked by the fans. And for him to land at 12, I thought that was an A++ pick. Yeah, it, it's... um. And, and I'm and I and I swear to you, Caleb, I'm living in the tile. I'm living in the twilight zone right now because I've never seen so many draft prognosticators and so many draft analysts come out and say, "Wow, the Kings, the Kings made a great pick." You don't hear that. Like even in their even in their positive reviews of the pick, they would still bring up the fact that this is a rare occurrence for the Kings. Like like they don't they don't waste the the media do not waste a second shitting on the Kings. I don't blame them. We deserve it because we're, we're just, we've just been so awful in these positions in the past, but yeah, 100% the right pick 100% the best pick. He was the best player on the board. A lot of people had him ranked in their top. I mean, he was like a consensus top eight guy. I I, I can only really think of one uh, draft big board that I would frequent often. And it was Kevin O'Connor's that had him outside the top eight. You know, he was Kevin, he was Kevin O'Connor's ninth ranked draft prospect on his big board. He ends up being 12th. So even on the draft boards where he was ranked the lowest, this is still a great value pick. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, the fit next to Fox, I think is going to be great. Um, I, I think, I think some fans who didn't really know about him last night, I had a few people text me saying uh, that jumper's ugly and you know what? 
I'm not going to argue with you on that. It, it is, it is a little strange. Uh, it, it's, it's a little push shot. Um, he doesn't use much of his legs at all. He, you know, with shooters, you like them to have a wide base, right. Um, and, and, and to be able to use their legs to power that jump shot. Uh, he kind of stands straight up. He's very skinny with that jump shot and he kind of pushes it towards the basket. The thing is though, is that it goes in mm-hmm. guy shot over 40% from three in his career. Last year, he shot 42%. Um, yeah. and he's, he's a catch and shoot monster. Um, uh, I think I, I think I have something here though, that I, uh, that I saved last night. I think this was from, I think this is from Sam Vecini, um, talking about Halliburton. Uh, yeah, he hit 49% of his catch and shoot jumpers last season in college with all of the makes being three pointers. Uh, he had a 73.9% effective field goal percentage on those shots. And according to synergy, that was the sixth best mark among the 623 players nationally to take at least three of those types of shots per game. Um, the only player better than, better than him within the top 100 is one of the newest Boston Celtics, Aaron Neesmith. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, obviously the Kings are getting a really good shooter. Um, Fox still developing as a shooter. Um, you're going to need guys around him that can shoot the basketball. And, and, and Halliburton certainly fits in that regard. But what he brings aside from shooting is the fact that he can't create, that he can't handle the ball. I think the biggest concern that people have with him is whether or not he can consistently create off the dribble and get to the basket. He's not the fastest guy. He's not the quickest guy. He's not the strongest guy. He's six, five, but he's 175 pounds. Um, he's going to have to put more muscle on his frame, but that, that should be doable. Um, you know, in an advantage position though, and by advantage and by advantage position, I mean, when he's got a guy on his hip, if he can get a guy up in the air off a pump fake, if he can just get a, a, a just a step on a guy and get to the basket that's when he's at his best and he should be able to find himself in those positions quite often playing alongside a guy like Fox um, where, you know, Fox can penetrate kick and then he can just attack closeouts. Um, I, the pick just made too much sense. And typically when the pick makes too much sense, the Kings don't make that pick, <laughs> but they made that pick last night. It was so refreshing to hear Monty McNair in the post draft press conference with the media here saying, Tyrese was the best talent on the board and we don't pass up on talent. So my question in response to that statement, Caleb is where the fuck was this guy two years ago? And why wasn't he in charge of the Kings? Because things would be much, much different. And Luka Doncic would be in the Kings Jersey right now. I, I, I shouldn't bring that up, but, but it, it, it bears repeating that that probably would have been the case two years ago. Um, but yeah, great pick. Uh, just again, just, the Kings let the draft come to them and they made a great, great pick. Um, all right. At, um, at 40. So the Kings had the 35th pick originally, they flipped that to Memphis. Memphis gave them a future second rounder and the 40th overall pick in exchange, uh, for 35. And they got Robert Woodard out of Mississippi state. We didn't talk about him on the podcast, uh, last week, but, uh, what do you know about Robert Woodard and what were your overall thoughts? Uh, what, what were your overall thoughts on, uh, on, 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 on this pick? You're exposing me. I didn't do much research on him. I was really, <laughs> I, I I saw him mocked to the Celtics a bunch, and I read some stuff. I think he's pretty good defensively, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, that's that's about all I know is that he's a <laughs> wing. And and I was like, please, not another wing, please. Like, by by the time they had us taking him at thirty, that was our third wing already taken out of three picks. I was like, please stop. So I just stopped reading. But, <laughs> I don't know from what I from what I read about him. He's he's a pretty good prospect. 
Well, you got to think though, he was projected first round and like all my, all the mocks. Yeah. I saw this out, so good value. Yeah. Again, great value. Uh, well, first and foremost, the most important thing here is that Robert Woodard knows the grind of an SEC schedule folks. He played in a real conference. Okay. Not like those other bozo conferences that you see around college basketball and college sports in general. He played in the SEC. All right. And if you know the grind of an SEC schedule, Man, you're going to bring a lot to the table when you get to the NBA or the NFL or wherever you want to play. Um, yeah, I, I I can honestly say that I didn't do too much research on him either. Uh, I was certainly aware that he was he was like a late first round pick in in most in basically every mock draft. Uh, Jonathan Givoni of Draft Express and ESPN had him ranked as his 25th prospect on his big board. He goes 40th to the Kings. Uh, how he dropped that far, I'm not quite sure. Um, I forget who it was that picked like some random Croatian guy like 38th or whatever. Uh, but that might've had something to do with it. You know, some crazy stuff happens in the second round sometimes. That was um, the oh yeah. And when people looked him up, there was, there's two players in from Croatia with that name. One of them is a 34 year old and that's who was popping up. So Bulls fans were like freaking out saying, did we just have the 34 year old? They were, they were losing it on Twitter. Oh my God. That's hilarious. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know about that. God, what, what was that? What was that guy's name? Oh, Marco. The, uh, well, no, it was. Uh, oh, no, I know. Actually, the guy that I was referring to was um, was thirty uh, seventh to the Wizards, mm. Vit Crazy from from the Czech Republic. Yeah, like people, like people, like all the draft analysts were just like, like I looked at Sam Vecini's breakdown of that pick, and his reaction was just his rea- his one word reaction to it was just what the fuck was just wtf like <laughs> people weren't people weren't shy about about that pick uh being just completely out of left field um but yeah like it, it some of the guys going in front of woodard actually in retrospect kind of makes it make sense um uh yudoka Azubuke going 27th overall to the uh to the jazz um uh vernon carey i thought was gonna go in the 40s he went 32nd yeah um you know, uh, Xavier Tillman, uh, for me, was a guy that I felt was going to go in the 40s, but he went 35th. Mm-hmm. In fact, he was picked with the pick that was originally that would belong to the Kings. That's going to the uh, that's going to the uh, to the Grizzlies. Um, so I I think the way things played out in front of them just allowed a guy like Woodard to fall. And from what I understand with Woodard, uh, after doing a little bit more homework on him after the fact, um, is that. He played for a team that was, they played slow, kind of like a slogging pace. Mississippi State did. So if you look at his raw numbers, I think he averaged like 11 points, four rebounds or something like that. Um, you know, those numbers aren't going to really stick out, make too much noise. But uh, 42% from the three-point line, and he's 6'7", 235 already. And he's only and he was only a sophomore in college. So he's got room to grow. He's already got an NBA-ready body. Um, he can probably come in and give you some minutes just guarding guys uh, right away. And uh, I believe he's got a seven foot wingspan or roughly there about mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's, he's just your prototypical. He's, he's a guy that the Kings should have been drafting when they were available to them over the last few years. Unfortunately, Vladi Divots uh, was actively protesting, drafting interchangeable three and D wings and was just going to load up on bigs. And so we have a ton of bigs, which is, I mean, cool. But not enough guys that can switch two, three, four, guard multiple positions. He seems like a guy that is of that mold, is of that ilk. 
and should be able to should be able to contribute almost right away. I honestly would not be surprised to see him getting a lot of minutes right away, simply because he has the body type and he has he seems to have the ability to come in and, and help right away on the defensive end. But if he shoots anything close to what he did in college, then he becomes exactly what you'd want out of a guy uh, of his mold, which is mm. a guy who can defend and shoot threes. So, yeah, great, great, great value pick. Um, the 43rd pick, though, of the Kings was Jemias Ramsey of Texas Tech. We talked about him. Yeah. Big Juice, just give the double thumbs up for this pick. Um, Jemias Ramsey, Texas Tech, uh, averaged 15 points a game as a freshman, led his team in scoring, was a freshman of the year in the Big 12. Uh, he's a bucket getter. Uh, just a guy who just knows how to score. You gave the double thumbs up, but I want to hear more of your thoughts on Jemias Ramsey to the Kings. I, I Another player that I saw mocked late first, fringe early second, I think getting him at 43 is a great value pick and he, he can really score. Like he has a lot, he uses his body really well inside. And I think that's not common to see really with college freshmen really is guys that know body control inside and everything. And he has that already. And I feel like he can really come in and be like a good scorer off the bench and who knows, maybe end up taking buddy Hill's role one day or something. I don't know about all that, but he can score. And I mm-hmm. think getting a good score at 43, who's young has potential. I don't see anything wrong with that pick. Those picks are great value picks. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me about him, even though he's like 19, is that he's kind of on he's kind of a man child. His yeah. body's just his body's just really his body's just really far along for somebody his age. And like you said, uh, uses his body really well in traffic, uh, in in the paint and around the basket. Um, yeah, I I I and and again, and, and I said this during the week, look. <laughs> Nobody watches college basketball. Okay. Like we're, we're in agreement about that, right? Like you and I are probably one of two. We're probably two of maybe like, you know, five people who are just psychopaths and we're, and we're sociopathic enough to watch college basketball from November to March. And, and look, if you don't watch college basketball before March madness, we can't even blame you. The product is so, so it's, it's maybe not, it's not the best, it's not the best quality basketball, but uh, we enjoy it for what it is. And and the best part about it is, is knowing a lot about these guys when they come into the NBA draft and Jemias Ramsey was one of those guys that I actually got to see a lot. Um, uh, I, I got to see a good portion of a, of a decent amount of his games, but I only watched one full game of his. And that was when, and I mentioned this on last podcast, but they played at Texas tech played against Kentucky and, and he didn't have the best game. I think he only had six points that game, but there were things he did in that game where I was just like, man, like, it's close. It's right there. You know, like I, I get why this guy, I get why this guy leads his team in scoring as a freshman. I get why he's so highly touted. And I get why a guy like Chris Beard, who is, he's honestly, he's my favorite coach in college basketball right now. Um, he's, he, he's great at developing talent. Um, and, and if you know anything about Texas tech, they're a great defensive team. I mean, Jarrett Culver, who's on the Timberwolves was a one man wrecking crew. <laughs> in the uh in the final four i think it was uh that was uh that was 2018 right was uh yeah or or was it 2019 when they went to the final four uh, 2019 i think well yeah oh it had him in 2019 because culver wasn't oh yeah it'd be the last, yeah because yeah, 2019 was when culver was drafted so yeah like dude that team defensively was nuts but Jarrett culver stood out and jamias ramsey you know may not quite have the vitals that Culver has defensively, but his effort was there when I watched him. And 
aside from the offensive stuff, which people should definitely be excited about with Ramsey, he's got plus defensive potential. It's just, he's young and there were moments and, and, and I read this and, and I, and I'm not shocked to find this out, but there were moments last year where Chris Beard had to take him off the court late in games because he, he was somewhat of liability defensively, not because he couldn't play defense, not because he didn't want to play defense. It's just, he was young. And so he's more, he's just more, he's more likely to make mistakes in big moments. And so Beard had to hide him um, by taking him off the court. Sometimes he's coming to a team that, that has some pieces in place. And it's not like the Kings are like, you know, world beaters on defense or anything like that, but there are other guys that can be dependent on to play defense on this team. Um, I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem. And, and offensively purely from that perspective, like just what a pick 40, 43rd is, 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 is nuts for a guy like, for a guy like Ramsey. Uh, like you said, you know, he's, he was projected like on either on just on either side of each round, late first, early second. I think Gavoni, uh, Jonathan Gavoni of ESPN had him thirty fifth. Even then, that's still pretty awesome value to get him forty third. Um, so I, these are the kind of guys that the Kings should have been drafting. Again, these are the kind of guys that that can play multiple positions, can shoot, can potentially play defense, um, and can bring different types of things to the table. And it's nice that the Kings finally have a general manager that say that, that says, look, I'm going to try to get value. I'm going to try to make the right pick and I'm going to let the draft come to me. Um, as opposed to Vladi Divots, who would only draft guys that he interviewed or worked out. And uh, even then would reach for them, even in the second round. I just want to remind everybody out there that last year, the Kings had the 40th pick in the draft. And I think it was like a mid fifties, like 56 or something like that. At 40, they took Justin James from Wyoming. Now, if you told me you knew about Justin, if you were a Kings fan last year before the draft and you told me you knew anything about Justin James and that he was a good pick, I would have called you a liar. Um, and then at 56, they picked Cal Guy, who another guy who probably could have been taken undrafted, honestly. Like these guys could have been could have could have been undrafted players. There were guys like Eric Pascal, Admiral Schofield, um, Bull Bull. Those guys were all on the board at 40. And Vladdy Bud said, no, I don't, I don't want these guys. <laughs> I don't want these guys. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, take guys that people have never heard of. And now, I mean, Kyle guy's still with the organization. He's on a two-way contract, but Justin James is, you know, like, let's say that buggy deal comes back on. He's likely gone already. You know, like yeah. he has no value to this new front office. Uh, mm-hmm. These are the types of players that should have, that should have been, that should have been on the Kings roster a long time ago, whether it was via draft or free agency. Um, and, and it's nice that we've acquired some of those, some of those types of pieces. Um, and it was really, really refreshing to hear from Monty McNair that one, they interviewed 90 players, roughly 90 players. He came out and said that in his post-traffic press conference, they, 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 they interviewed 90 players, did their due diligence with everybody. And he himself said, Hey, second round picks are not throwaway picks. Mm-hmm. You, you can find good talent in the second round. Yeah. And the attitude that, that Kings fans had with second rounders last year and the year before that <laughs> didn't really sit. I, it just didn't really sit right with me. And look, again, fans can be fans. They can do it, do it, do whatever and say whatever and think whatever they want. But I think the crowd that was all in on Vladi and was supporting him and had his back. were just like second rounders don't matter. Come on. You can, you can't find stars in the second round. And it's like, okay, well, Tell that to tell it to guys like Isaiah Thomas and Malcolm Brogdon and you know or undrafted guys like Fred Van Vliet. You know, like there, yeah. there's so many guys that you can name off that that were found in the second round uh, that have gone to become great players. And 
quite frankly, this is the way that the Kings should have been approaching the entire draft for a long, long time. They just didn't because they had the wrong people in place. It's cool seeing Monty McNair, uh, a GM that actually knows what he's doing, or at least he's at least he's fooling us really well. If he doesn't know what he's doing, he's doing a really good job of fooling us at the, at the very least, giving off the illusion that he does know what he's doing. Um, so yeah, an, an overall great draft for the Kings. The last thing that they did was they traded away their 52nd pick um, to Houston. They got a, I think they got a future second for that. And then they also got uh, my favorite player in the draft, cash considerations. Can't wait till that guy takes the court because man, I, you know, the, the Kings have acquired multiple guys named cash considerations over the years yet to see him hit the floor. But when, when they do, when the, when the cash considerations does hit the floor, man, people, people better watch out because we'll see who the real winners of the draft are. Um, overall great night for the Kings though, from a draft perspective, yeah. this is probably the best draft that maybe they've ever had. So, so, so there you go. Like that's, that's not hyperbole either. Um, uh, big ups to Monty McNair and, and big, big congratulations to him on his first draft as a general manager. All right. Before we wrap this up, I want to give you a chance to, uh, I want to give you a chance to soapbox here, big juice. Okay. Uh, you're, you're a Celtics fan. Uh, the draft didn't quite go the way that you wanted. Uh, I'm just going to give you the next however many minutes you need to just tell Danny Ainge and company what you think and how you feel about how the okay. draft night went for the Celtics. Before I get started, I just want to say shout out to Denver because I like how they just keep taking highly rated recruits and they just, they're taking flyers. I like that they got RJ Hampton. I feel like RJ Hampton, Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull, that's fun. You know what I mean? It looks like they hit on Michael Porter Jr. It looks like he can make a, a, a nice consideration off the bench. Yeah, it looks Bull like Bull. he can stand up and really make an impact for uh, Yeah. And, stand and up. Well, <laughs> well, he's not going to take a knee to the opponent. I'll just say it that way. But, <laughs> RJ Hampton looks like he can be pretty good. Bull Bull, pretty good. Okay, now I'm going to move on to the innocent Celtics. Not so <laughs> well, we drafted Aaron Neesmith at 14, right? I'm fine with it. That's a fine pick. We needed shooting. Cool. We got it. Then we move on to the 26th pick, and we took Peyton Pritchard, okay? Now, we had a 47th pick. I thought we could probably get him around there, but instead we took him at 26, and I'm like, all right, well, we have the 30th pick. Let me just. See who we take at 30. Well, we didn't take a player at 30. We just decided let's just let's trade that 30th pick out for two second rounders, right? I promise you when we announced the trade, and the and the team we traded him to, they took Desmond Bain. I was like, he's better than Peyton Pritchard. Yeah, like, there, was, there was five guards that were taken like immediately after Peyton Pritchard was selected. And I was like, he's better. Like Tyrell Terry at 31. I was like, why? He's better than Peyton Pritchard. And I was like, I was in disbelief. And I woke up this morning and found that Peyton Pritchard has a tattoo of an alt-right group on his arm. <laughs> Please stop, stop, make it stop. I, I couldn't believe it whenever I saw that. And like, it takes a lot of balls. And then I'm thinking, well, you know what? We'll probably trade Gordon Hayward tomorrow. We might be able to get a big, a promising big, maybe John Collins or something, add in more, right? And then we find out while we're recording and why I haven't been talking as much recently is because Gordon Hayward opted out, right? <laughs> Holy he's shit, I, really? Yeah. That just happened? Yeah, he opted out of his contract, so he's now an unrestricted free agent. Oh, wow. So now, so now it goes to the point where I look at this draft, and I'm thinking, not only did we not make a move up for, on, for Onyeko Kongwu, which I thought would have been – I thought that would be the number one best decision the Celtics could have made in the draft. Yeah. We didn't do that. Jalen Smith didn't make it to 14. The Suns said, nope, we're going to take him. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sitting there like, okay, well, you know, we have a 26th and 30th pick. Maybe we 
take a guy like Daniel Otoro, right, from from uh, Minnesota. Yeah. Maybe take a guy like him. Maybe just throw – or like Xavier Tillman. We just throw a pick at those guys and just see if one of them can stick, right? Nope, we don't. We take Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> so now, not only do we not have a big next year, do we have to go into next year with Daniel Tyson and his canter back? I, we don't have our, – our number one backup guard since we declined to offer Brad Wanamaker is now Peyton Pritchard. So I honestly think that the Celtics went from the third best team in the East to we're going to be like a six seed next year. And this all happened in a span of like 45 minutes that I've came to the realization that we're not going to be that good next year. And it's going to be struggle. If like Jason Tatum took a leap in the bubble, right? He took a leap in the regular season. Then in the bubble, he took that playmaking leap. If that doesn't carry over to next year, it's not going to be a fun year. It's not going to be fun at all. My, like people are like, yeah, you're a Celtics fan that you have a good, like you make the playoffs. It's like, yes, but being there is fun and everything, but I, wanna, I just want to see one championship <laughs> outside of basketball. I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates and Oakland, uh, Oakland, Las Vegas Raiders fan. I don't get to celebrate anything. Nothing in life is celebrating for me. And then I get to watch the Celtics and I get to watch us take Peyton Pritchard. I got, we took, ah, uh, we could have took him at 47. <laughs> okay. I'm good. I calm down. I calm down. I just had to get that out. I'm sorry. Are you sure there's nothing else that you want to get up? Yeah, that was it. That was all, that's all I needed to say. You sure? The Kings had an A plus draft, and the Celtics had a, a D minus <laughs> draft. That's a, that's what I'm gonna say. Well, looking back now, we had an F draft because we didn't address our biggest need, which was center. I have to watch Daniel Tyson and his canner go out there <laughs> again. Well, well, hold on now. Free agency starts in a day here. I mean, maybe you can go out and you could find somebody, right? Like a trade or something if we sign harry giles i will i will do everything <laughs> i will i will do some dangerous dangerously <laughs> uh yeah since you brought up harry giles we're going to circle back to what i said earlier blame vladi for all you kings fans out there for all you kings fans out there i mean you should have been mentally preparing for harry giles to leave a long time ago we're talking last year because Vladi Divac is an idiot, doesn't never had he never should have been a GM, and Harry Giles is just one of the examples as to why. Uh, but yeah, I can see Harry Giles, you know, he could end up in Boston. Uh, how much money did Gordon Hayward? How, how much did Gordon Hayward just opt out of? Thirty-four point two million. <sighs> Dude, my my assumption is he's going to go somewhere and sign like a four-year, ninety million dollar deal. Because if he say he opts in, right, he gets thirty-four, mm-hmm. then he gets hurt again, breaks his hand twist his ankle or something, which we know is going to happen in Boston. Like that's a good thing. <laughs> okay. He's probably not seeing that long-term deal in the off season. So I'm just assuming he's playing it safe. Now they did say it's a possibility. The Celtics could steal because they have bird rights on them. They could sign and trade them, but I don't know. As of right now, Danny Ainge, this was like the off season where Danny Ainge could have put all of his chips on the table and went for it. Right. He always talked about how he has all these assets and he didn't, he just, he just didn't go for it. He just sat back and, 76ers got better. Nets got better because they got uh, that guy from the Clippers. I forget his name. Landry Shamit. Yeah. They got him. They got Bruce Brown from Detroit, who I mm-hmm. think is a really good defensive guard. Yep. They got better. Bucks got better. And all this while the Celtics just sit there and Danny Ainge is <laughs> sleeping on the couch. Wake up, you old man. We need I don't want to vent too much about it because I know like as a Kings fan and majority of the listeners are going to be Kings fans. They're going to be like, you don't know how good you have it. Like, yeah, I know I have it good, but I want it better. Darn it. (laughs) 
yeah yeah a lot of listeners will be kings fans uh we uh according to the reviews on apple podcast have uh insane kings analysis so that's what they come for but uh no no this is no this is completely justified i i, I understand you know like i I'm, I'm a San Francisco Giants fan. We won three World Series championships in five years, and I wanted a fourth and seven. And people were just like, "Dude, shut up, sit, sit the fuck down." Like, like you guys, you guys have had, you guys have already had enough. I'm just like, no, no, we haven't. No, I completely understand. Like, I, I know where the, I know where you're coming from with that. I only know that from the perspective of the Giants because all my other teams suck. But hey, I know what it looks like to be a Kings fan. I'm a Pirates fan. Yeah, we're like the same boat. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, the only the only difference there happens to be the fact that the uh, that the Pirates uh, did make the playoffs in the last decade, um, and also have had some bona fide MVP type players and 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 some really good prospects come through in the last decade. But I mean, yeah, uh, generally speaking, though, pain, right? Like outside of like a yeah. very small window of immense time. pain. Yeah, 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 nothing but pain. Um, yeah, I, look. Uh, I, I guess I guess we'll get a clearer picture on on how everything's going to work out for the Celtics uh, after free agency or once free agency starts. Uh, I wouldn't give up all hope yet, but um, yeah, it, 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 it's certainly an interesting draft night. Uh, Tyrell Terry to the Mavs is that's one pick that's like kind of crazy to me. Um, some people aren't that high on him. I I I get why people are high on though, and and if you if you put him next to Luca, like. You know, like he basically is going to fill the Seth Curry role because uh, they just traded Seth Curry. So yeah, he, he basically was, is going to step in and kind of be what Seth was. Now Seth Curry gets to play for his father-in-law. Yeah. Do you think Doc Rivers has a fetish for coaching his son-in-law? Oh, for sure. Or or for or, sure. or or coaching or coaching uh, coaching sons of any type or coaching a guy who's dating his daughters or whatever. Because wasn't Paul Paul George was dating his daughter, right? Yeah, his daughter. He cheated on her with a stripper. Right. Which is so awkward. How do you how do you tell your daughter like, hey, you know that guy that cheated on you? Well, we just traded for him, so yeah. I'm kind of gonna be his coach, and he is gonna be at the Christmas party. Yeah, but can you not come? And and we traded quite a lot for him, so yeah. I would appreciate it if you maybe not come around because we can't jeopardize this. Uh, maybe that's the reason why the Clippers uh, playoff run fell apart last year because yeah. uh, he, he, he came out to the bubble and he saw her and said, "Man, I messed everything up." Yeah, and then it messed him up. It messed yeah. him up mentally. Yeah. Yeah. No, you could, you could, you could tell. Um, but, uh, Hey, at least this time he's, uh, he's coaching, he's coaching a guy who's actually married to one of his daughters and hopefully, yeah, uh, break your heart. Yeah. is not going to break her heart in any way, shape or form, but, uh, but yeah, he's dude, Tyrell Terry next to Luca, man. That's, I mean, putting anybody next to Luca, pretty ideal situation. Tyrell Terry though, a guy who can handle the ball and shoot. I mean, Hey, pretty, pretty solid fit. Um, yeah. In closing though, to wrap this up uh, on the whole draft stuff, uh, dude, the Kings, good draft. So for you Kings fans out there, uh, be happy. Uh, you should be optimistic. Um, I think the most important thing that we can take away from last night was after Tyrese Halliburton was drafted, uh, they showed footage of the Kings war room, the draft room, and everybody was fist bumping each other and high-fiving each other, and everybody was really happy that they got them. The one thing that people might not have noticed in that war room, though, is that there was no Vivek. That's right. No Vivek, no Matina, no Vivek's son, none of that. Like, nobody who wasn't involved in basketball operations, like, was in that room. All right? So, we're all afraid that Vivek's going to keep on meddling and keep on doing all this stuff that he shouldn't be doing as an owner. 
Well, I think that's a very positive first step was not having him in that room because I would have gouged my eyes out if I saw him in there. Um, fortunately, he wasn't. That's a step in the right direction. Um, and and another thing that's really interesting that came out actually just before we hopped on this podcast in regards to Tyrese Halliburton was um, uh, Zach Lowe did a podcast today with uh, Jonathan Gavoni and Bobby Marks of ESPN. And they were discussing the fact that Tyrese Halliburton and his camp were actually telling teams ahead of the Kings to not draft him. Apparently he was, apparently his agent was telling him, look, I, I, I don't like the fit for these teams. I don't like, I don't like how, I don't like how these teams are shaping out for my, for my client. Um, I'd rather him go to Sacramento. And so apparently they told other teams, Hey, we, we want to go to Sacramento. Now I want you to hear that again. Tyrese Halliburton and his camp wanted him to go to Sacramento. Words that have never been spoken before. Now, Sacramento in comparison to Ames, Iowa, and uh, Wisconsin, where he's originally from, I, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe that's an upgrade. But generally speaking, like by NBA by, by NBA standards, you probably don't want to go to Sacramento. You know, like Sacramento, Cleveland, Detroit, like those types of cities. Dude, like he actually wanted to come to Sacramento. Um, I mean, I don't know how much stock I'll take into that. I think it was more of the teams in front of the Kings as opposed to the Kings themselves. Um that really were the deciding factor in, in Halliburton wanting to come uh, to Sacramento, but I just interesting tidbit. Very, very interesting that, that, that's how that, that's how that played out. And and that's how that worked out. Um, But yeah, I mean, cool. Awesome. And then the other two guys that the Kings drafted seem very happy to be on the way to Sacramento as well. Can't wait to get them in for the whopping, you know, two weeks of training camp and then just throw them into the fire and throw them for the wolves on December 22nd. It's going to be nuts. I'm just curious how much teams like throw these young guys out there. Cause like, like that's what somebody said about the Peyton Pritchard pick was he's older. So you don't Mm -hmm. have to really worry. You can come in and make an impact. You hope. Yeah. But like some of these younger kids that are getting taken, they're going to be thrown into the fire like Mm -hmm. right away. And is not having a summer league or some sort of preseason tournament type thing for young players. That's going to be crazy. Cause I was thinking about that after the draft, like, undrafted free agents they're not going to get a free shake like g league teams in particular are going to be the most important thing for teams this year because that's oh, yeah. where the guys are going to get their development yeah yeah definitely and and there were tons of exhibit 10 contracts signed last night um with a lot of those with a lot of those undrafted guys um it makes sense it makes sense that 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 they're going to be utilizing they're going to be utilizing those uh those types of resources in a year unlike any other um but yeah, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be I, I think it's gonna be awesome. Uh, you know, ten games into the season when Tyrese Halliburton and the other two rookies haven't played very much because Luke Walton's Luke Walton and the front office are probably just gonna try to protect them and 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 give them more time to grow. And then Kings fans uh, go on to social media and complain that those guys aren't playing enough. Uh, that is inevitably gonna happen, and I can't wait for Twitter to burn Kings Twitter to just completely burn down uh, from a distance. Uh, should be fun to watch. But uh, but yeah, overall, Kings fans should be excited uh in 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 your case caleb uh you know if you're a celtics fan or if you're looking at the celtics draft i mean i get why you wouldn't be optimistic but again man we got we got a long way to go before the season starts i mean we got like a whole you know like five weeks so you know things can change before then <laughs> i hope <laughs> yeah I who really knows hope. <laughs> if I uh, my starting center again i'm i'm just gonna punch a hole in my wall i can't take it anymore Oh gosh. Um, all right. Uh, before we wrap 
for real this time. Uh, any shout outs you want to give? Shout out to shout out to the Celtics rookies, even though I, I'm not in love <laughs> with them. They're they're part of the team now, so shout out to them. Let's hope that let's hope that this season can uh, be good. It, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, don't sound. Oh, and don't shout sound. out to Myron for being a good friend. Uh, yeah, yeah, big shout out to Myron, man. He's a doctor. He's an essential worker. Uh, yeah, Caleb, don't sound too excited about those draft picks. You're uh, you're you're getting really annoying about how excited you are. Um, my shout outs, my shout outs are going to go to uh, to the Kings draft picks as well. Welcome to the city. Uh, if if you guys don't know anything about Sacramento, uh, you will find out very quickly that this basketball team is literally all that we have. You could be the 14th man on the Kings roster, and you can't even go to the grocery store. Because people are gonna people are gonna annoy the hell out of you here in Sacramento. Uh, that's how it's gonna be. So really excited to have those guys. Uh, really excited for them to find out what the city's all about and what the basketball culture is um, here in Sacramento. Uh, it's a shame that we likely won't get to see them in person at the beginning of the season, uh, but it is what it is. And uh, pretty soon they'll be playing uh, in front of some of the most raucous fans in the NBA. So big shout out to them. Huge, huge shout out to Monty McNair. Once again, a real GM. Uh, the bar is so low here in Sacramento that when he was actually able to make a trade on Monday, uh, even though it all fell apart, um, people were impressed. People were just like, wow, Monty McNair probably worked the phone lines himself and made the made the trade himself. This is insane. This is amazing. Uh, this hasn't happened in Sacramento in at least five years. So... <laughs> I mean, hey, he's he's an actual real GM, a guy who knows how to do his job, a guy who last night at the NBA draft um, got incredible value for every single one of his picks and uh, by all accounts navigated the draft the appropriate way. So big shout out to him. And um, I don't know. I don't know who else I want to shout out. Uh, shout out to shout out to uh, to Chase. Everett, our good friend, and his dog Ricky. Ricky is on the mend. Ricky, Ricky is like, he's got a couple of vet follow-ups to go to, but you know, like like we said on the last episode, uh, you know, his dog had a surgery and 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 wasn't quite sure how things were going to turn out, but uh, looks like he's going to make a full recovery. So big shout out to little Richard, and big shout out to Chase. Uh, Ricky means everything to him. So. Glad that he's going to be on the mend and glad that he's going to be back to 100% in no time at all. Literally no time at all. It's been like a week or whatever since the surgery. He's like, but he's like totally fine. Um, so yeah, man, um, I think I think that'll wrap it. So uh, appreciate you, man. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, and for those of you who want more NBA draft coverage, go over to Dimer's Basketball Podcast. Caleb, of course, is the co-host of that podcast along with our good friend, Amir. Uh, Amir, the, uh, Amir, the Rudy Gay fan. And um Check out what they have to say about the draft. Uh, it's it is it is coast to coast, wall to wall, balls to the wall NBA coverage over there at Dimers Podcast. So go over to Dimers Basketball Podcast if you want more NBA draft coverage beyond the Kings and the Celtics. Uh, yeah, man, big shout out to you guys, and uh, hopefully people hopefully people can check out that podcast as well to get more information on the draft. But uh, yeah, a good draft for the Kings. That's the best way we can sum it up. So be happy, Kings fans. Uh, I think we're going to be taking next week off because it's going to be Thanksgiving. But after that, Zach should be back. And we'll be back to our regularly scheduled programming in a couple of weeks. So thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for subscribing, following along with us, uh, giving us those five-star ratings. 
uh, giving reviews. Shout out to everybody who's left a review on Apple Podcasts. Seriously, it means a lot, everybody. And uh, hope everybody has a safe and fun Thanksgiving next week. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Peace out.